Friday Night Racing. On Off The Ball. Brought to you by Go Racing. Plan your day at the races at goracing.ie. And a very good afternoon to you. You are very welcome along to Friday Night Racing, of course, brought to you by GoRacing.ie. No Johnny Ward with us this week, but we have uh, suitable replacements in the form of David Jennings, the Racing Post Deputy Irish Editor, and we're also joined by the jockey, Fianna McGuire. Let you both very welcome. Thanks very much. Thank you. Um, Johnny's not here to celebrate. Actually, Co- compare me to Johnny Ward. It's not a good start. I know. Well, well, or it could be a great one. Who knows? <laughs> he uh, he's not even here to uh, take the glory after we had a couple of winners last week at the uh, Dublin Racing Festival. So hopefully we'll get a few more to add to the Injured Jockeys Fund a little bit later on. Finney, normally we just do these interviews at the start where it's like a career retrospective for people. Granted, you're only 20, so it wouldn't be a very long interview. But there's big news this week, really, that we're going to start with instead of um, the normal start, David. The the equine flu situation in the UK, there's some breaking news in the last 15, 20 minutes about it. Yeah, it's obviously not good. A further three cases um, have been reported, positive cases from Donald McCain's yard, which is obviously not good. And, and what's really not good about it is that one of them ran at air earlier on this week. And that was the day that Gordon Elliott and I think seven Irish trainers had runners. So that's a little bit scary. Um, hopefully, obviously, this is something that needs to be brought to a head fairly soon. The BHA have taken drastic, drastic measures to cancel racing at half 11 on a on a Wednesday night for Thursday racing, that's drastic measures, and it's just something. It's so contagious that it could just. It's so contagious that basically it needed something needed to be done ASAP, and that's what they've done. And it's just I was hoping to be back racing next Wednesday, but when you see three more cases, it just doesn't all go well for racing starting back next Wednesday. I'd say it'll be a little bit longer of a of a wait. We had Cornelius Lysett on the show last night covering the story. We've got a quick clip here of him talking about uh, the BHA and, and just uh, how quick they were with their actions. Have a look. It is striking with the British Horse Racing Authority, which is much criticised, that uh, it has actually acted quickly and and efficiently. And they were up in their pyjamas last night uh, to actually call off racing today. The announcement came. I'd I'd gone to bed, for example. Most of the people I know had gone to bed at sort of 25 past 11. Uh, They put out the statement last night that there'd be no racing today as a result of these three positives. Uh, Positives that uh, Donald McCain says that... uh, came about as a result of him telling his vets he was a bit worried about the health of one or two of the horses in his big string. So they had a good look and they came up with the positives. They then contacted the British Horse Racing Authority and because there'd been horses running at uh, Air and Ludlow and Wolverhampton this week, it was felt the best thing to do was just to say, right, let's just close everything down. In fairness, David, they were they did act fast and that's what you want. Um, can you maybe give us a, an idea of what the worst case scenario is here, what the best case scenario is? Because it's a big, broad range of activity of outcomes. There is, yeah. I suppose the timing couldn't be any worse. Cheltenham, as we know, you've probably done plenty of news bulletins. I haven't seen one yet where Cheltenham hasn't been mentioned. So that tells you how big it is. It starts four weeks on Tuesday. So if we don't get racing back next week, you're talking about that's another week, then you're three weeks to Cheltenham. So then it starts getting really edgy, really, really edgy. And they're betting actually, Paddy Power at the moment are betting on whether, you know, racing will go ahead at Cheltenham on that date. So it might need to be pushed back a week. Hopefully, touch wood, um, it's not going to come that far. And they have caught it early enough. These latest three cases do worry me a little bit. Obviously, it only broke about 15 minutes ago in the racing post. But it's just a little bit worrying that the, that one of the horses ran at air because he had been scoping them prior to racing for a couple of weeks beforehand. So that's the bit that's worrying. So we just have to hope and pray. And I'm sure, uh, Finney, you're the same, that 
that everything will be under control in the next. Probably you're looking at about a fortnight at this stage, I'd say. Yeah, it's mad. Yeah, you get into racing journalism, you don't expect to be um, studying the epidemiology of uh, the influenza virus and how it might spread. Yeah, I got more text messages from friends of mine that said, God, I never knew you're a, you're a genius on, on equine influenza, which I am not, for starters. But it's just one thing that you never expect to be talking about. And there I was all day yesterday looking up symptoms of equine influenza. And, it actually happened in 2007 in Sydney and their spring carnival was called off because of it. But they hadn't been vaccinated for, for equine influenza. So that's, that's obviously worrying that all these horses have been vaccinated against them. I was listening to an interview with Philip Hobbs. He had vaccinated them already this year and he was vaccinating them again yesterday twice in one year. Not because of what happened to, with the Donald McCain horses, but just that there was rumours around of this bug basically spreading. So he's been doing it twice in one year. They recommend once a year, he's been doing it twice. So it obviously was a big worry. Yeah, and uh, the other thing is that um, apparently some of the horses that have been um, found to have the influenza had already been vaccinated, so it might be a strain. You know, it's like mm. people who get the flu, it's exactly the same as human flu. I saw somebody explain that the symptoms are the same, the horses feel as miserable as, yes. as humans do, and not man flu, real flu. Yeah. I've seen a great tweet actually from Nick Goff on Twitter. He says, when this equine flu broke, it was like, are all the stallions and colts uh, acting like they're dead and all the fillies are, are just getting on with it? <laughs> Which I think sums it up, actually. Yeah, so fingers crossed that everything will be okay. Um, Finny, how are you doing? You, we were just chatting off air there. You're, um, you're living in Kildare, which is obviously the best county in the, in the world. And... Um, uh, actually from Cork, so you know it's a vast step up in uh, in living conditions to move from Cork to Kildare. Yeah, um, <laughs> to live in Cork and be a jockey is not really reasonable. You're, it's too far south. Um, Kildare is ideal. It's very central to all the race courses and motorways, every direction coming yeah. out of it. So it's great. Tell me a little bit about um, the the ambition for you now, because obviously you finished college. Is that right? You you've graduated. Yeah, yeah I did um, food science and CIT. Okay. Did three years at that. Um, could have done a fourth year but didn't want to, so I wanted to get out and uh, start giving the horses 100%. So. Right, and what does that mean? Because th this is something that like, we talk to loads of people about. Some jockeys come in and they're full-time professional jockeys and they made that decision when they were a certain age. Some, some jockeys come in and they're amateur jockeys and they decide that they just want to be amateur jockeys and that's the perfect career path for them. How do you weigh that up or is that even a conversation for you? Yeah, it is. Um, like Obviously, while I was in college, you know, it obviously made a lot of sense to be amateur. You, you wouldn't really be professional and go to college, but um, just the way things are going, I, you know, I'm tall enough, I'm just under six foot and I'm about 11 stone, but like, I, if I was to turn professional, I probably would have to really be strict with my diet, which w would be doable, but you know, things are going okay at the moment. If only you had a food science degree in the background to help you. To yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm just about six foot and I'm definitely not 11 stone. <laughs> yeah, but um, so yeah, um, so what, what, what's in the decision-making? Like, how do you weigh up what you want to do? Well, I suppose you, you want to be successful anyway. Like, if, you're, if I'm going to stay amateur, I want to hopefully be successful at that and ride as many winners as I can. It's quite a small pool of riders that do very well as amateurs. You know, you have the top lads, like Patrick Mullins and Jamie and Derek. So if you're kind of not breaking into that bracket, you're kind of just floating along. So if I can do well as an amateur, I'm quite happy as an amateur. Okay. But if, if for some reason things really slowed down, you know, I might have to reevaluate. But yeah. I'm quite happy at the moment anyway. David, how does it work? Is it the same as um, golf or any of the other sports when, you, when you're an amateur? 
you, you have to have a job on the side. What what's what's the is there another comparison from other sports? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's there's you're working out in a good few yards as well. So I think you're with Liz Doyle and who else? Are you um, Enda Bulger and Jessica Harrington and riding work for. Yeah, so that's essentially his day job, and that's yeah. that that's what's most important to him. Uh, like you see people like Rachel Blackmore when she turned professional. We laugh like Rachel. I tell Rachel that to her face. I said, "You're mad. What are you doing?" And she was taking advice from Shark Hannon, and people say that's even madder. But look what she's done. Like, and and it's just it is a big step. Everybody wondered why Nina or Katie didn't turn professional. But look how successful their amateur careers were. Look how successful Patrick Mullins' career is. And I'm sure you get plenty of advice from your dad, who was one of the most successful jump jockeys of all time. So I'm sure he'll be steering you down the right path anyway. Yeah, oh, dad's a big help. Sure, he, he knows the game inside out, so any bit, of, any bit of advice is great off him. Even to go home and watch a race back with him, he'd pick up on things that you wouldn't notice. What, like? Ash, like he's ridden over a thousand winners, you know, I've ridden about just over 50, so there's no comparison to the experience. So, you know, I'm, I'm not too bad now. I kind of, I would recognise when I have made a mistake now, but, you know, at the start you mightn't yeah. recognise and watch when it back with Dad and he'd, he'd spot it out he straight away. my hero. Adrian Maguire growing up, to me, because your dad's family were from Kilmes and the Meath. Yeah. And I was from Robinson, which was only a couple of miles down the road. And when I started getting into racing at too young of an age, at about five or six, Adrian was the man. And I remember a story, actually, Adrian, your dad, I don't know if he's listening, but if he's listening, he won't be happy. But I remember Barton Bank won the King George at Kempton in 93. And he went back again to win in 94. And he was my favourite horse because he had these green colours and, and stars. And I just loved the colours. And I thought he was an absolute certainty. And I remember, I think I went down with my dad to the bookies. And I think I did a £2 double. Adrian had actually won the Feltham, the grade one, earlier on in the day on Brown Hall. The fact that I remember this tells you how, how much I, I stalked him. But he won it, at, I think, at around 5-1. to one. And then he was riding Barton Bank in the King George. And he was miles clear at the last. Miles clear. And he, the horse Barton Bank made a mistake. And your dad came off him. And I remember just crying, I'd say, for about an hour solid after the race. And I think there's actually a clip of your dad crying after the race as well. But it was just devastating that how could Barton Bank get beaten, and especially when he was in front. He was one of my favourite horses. And your dad, uh, he had some career with Viking Flagship and, and Rel Keel and all them top horses. Like, he was, he was as good as it got. I think also there's um, part of it where he is one of the... He's kind of an island of success in the middle of a long period of not, not huge success for Irish racing. Irish racing wasn't anything like the powerhouse that it is now, but he was one of the few jockeys to be able to go over and be as dominant as he was, and also to do it in style. Is, is that right? Yeah, and he was around at a time where there was a big rivalry with himself and Richard Dunwoody. So Richard Dunwoody was riding for Martin Pipe and Adrian Maguire was riding for David Nicholson. Two biggest stables, two biggest jockeys, and there was a huge rivalry there. I suppose it would be similar to maybe McCoy and Richard Johnson for, for the last couple of years or for certainly in the last decade in England. And there was a big rivalry there. And it was fascinating for us to watch because you had this jockey, a local jockey for, that was, wasn't far away from where I was from. And he was winning all these big races, winning at Cheltenham. And it was just fascinating to follow his career because he was just brilliant in a finish. He was so strong and... Uh, like there's there's countless races I can remember as if they were yesterday. He was I'm sure I was only I was only a Gosson. Finny, do you watch any of those back? Do you ever kind of get in a YouTube hole of watching your dad back? Yeah, I have seen uh, replays most of his big winners, um, Viking Flagship and Barton Bank and all the good horses, Florida Pearl as well. So you know, I've seen a few clips of the big ones. Yeah. What's that like um, when you're watching them? Um, you know, because it's a it's mad. Like it's mm. that you end up doing something similar. Yeah, sure. 
Sure, it's great. Like, um, can only admire him. Like, he was, I was too young to remember him riding, but like everyone that comes up and talks to you about him, they just say how good he was, and like they just say if I was half as good as him, I'd yeah, be okay. Yeah, yeah. You know. And at some point, obviously, you know, you've got to also be your own man at this stage as well. So like, there's that whole aspect of it too. Like, you've got to take your own career path and yeah. and live your own life. Yeah, yeah, sure. I suppose dad, uh, dad left school early. I'd say well, he's probably only 13 or 14 and you know he was just horses were, was all he was ever going to do I suppose in this day and age it's kind of more important to get an education so I went and did that and at least I have options now. How did you pick food science as a matter of interest was it something that you did think that like I will actually pick up some hints and tips yeah. and tricks about nutrition here and, and maybe be able to apply this to the industry a bit? Yeah maybe um, I did biology and chemistry in school and I liked them I was quite good at science, so that's just, you know, that's pretty much what the degree is. It's it's science, it's biology and chemistry. So, and then obviously, uh, being a jockey, an amateur jockey, everything you can know about it is a bonus, you know. Yeah. About food and that, but, you know, I kind of, to be honest, I just I just eat what I want. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't apply. You keep saying that, Finny. I don't apply <laughs> much of it, but, you know, it's grand. Um, In a couple but, of years' time, you'll be like, hmm. Yeah, but it's sure it's great to have the knowledge and you know the right ways to lose weight you know, when this, you have to. This burger to. is bad for me. At least, at least you can explain why the trans fatty acids aren't exactly good for you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah but sure. You can bore your uh, colleagues in the way room about it. You shouldn't be eating that. Let's <laughs> <laughs> delete it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like. Um, I don't really understand how the amateur thing works. If you win prize money, do you get to keep the prize money as an amateur, or does that all work? Is that like? Um, there's no. It's not like the professional system where money goes into your account. You know, it's up to the owners and trainers what they give you. Okay. But, you know, so that, you, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not set in stone. You're going to get this. But you know, when you're when you're riding for good people, they they look after you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Grant. And so, like, because that's yeah, obviously you know you you go to college and you think I'm going to do a job. You obviously have some career in racing at somewhere in your head in the in the long run. Is it training? Is it breeding? Is it a little bit of everything? Uh haven't really thought that far ahead. I'm just, just enjoying jockey, yeah. just enjoying riding at the moment. I don't think I'll be a trainer. It's too it's like sure, I've seen firsthand, you know, dad gave up training, like it's so hard, you know, to to make ends meet. Uh so I, I don't see myself doing training, but just uh just being just enjoying riding at the moment and haven't really thought much past that. Yeah, so. no, that's that's fair enough because um like it does seem like this is a lifestyle really, David, that you have to you know, you have to love it. You kind of need to be someone who is into it, who is happy to do those long hours, early mornings, late night travel, all that kind of stuff. It's it's incredible. Um, like I've interviewed jockeys. I remember interviewing Barry Cash one time and he was riding a big shoe in the cross country race at Cheltenham. And all he had for, I think, two and a half to three days was maybe two cups of coffee. Like that's that's scary stuff altogether. Now, obviously, that's not good from a nutritional point of view, but it's 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 a devotion, and it's it's the the only way I can describe it basically is when you see, and I'm sure this has happened to you, Finny. When you see jockeys get a really bad fall, really bad fall, and they could have broken bones, or they could be bleeding, and they could be in really really severe pain, and their first instinct is. When am I going to get back on the horse? When am I going? When is my next ride? Can I ride in the next race? There is jockeys that will basically lie and know that something is broken, and yet they will lie just to ride in the next race. And and it seems to be 
across the board, this is the case. They have a, a really good threshold for pain. I don't know if you're the same, but... Or bad, too much. Well, yeah, well, that's it. Like, it's, it's an incredible... Like, their mentality is just phenomenal. And, and Finney will probably allude to this a bit more. Like, it's that, it's that quest for winners. Like, it must be just an incredible feeling to ride a winner and that you will go through any pain, be it starving yourself, be it coming back from an injury. You'll go through any pain to get there. I don't know if we'll ever experience it. I don't know what the equivalent is for us, but they have it and we don't. <laughs> what was your first winner? Uh, it was on a horse dad trained called MM Dazzler in Listowel. I was 16, I think it was my third ride. Uh, yeah, so. How did you win it? Um, it was an amateur flat race. It was my first time ever out of stalls, actually. I'd never even been in a stall, ever. So I just grabbed the whole of his mane and kicked on. Um, he, was a, he was a great little horse. He was really tough for me. Um, and we just, just beat uh, Sarah O'Brien in a driving finish. So his <laughs> grand was up against, I think Dermot Weld had a runner in it, and Aidan O'Brien, so up against all the big lads. So it was yeah. great, great to win it. Yeah, and you've obviously you've, you've ended up riding winners for Dermot Welder and Galway as well. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I think... Um, that was my first winner in Listowel, and my second winner was for Dermot in Galway, just a couple of months later. It's not bad. So yeah, I think he might have taken notice of me that day in Listowel, which was great. You know? One of the things that um, the amateur jockeys seem to have is um, a, a much higher winning percentage, because they ride so few races, but if you start winning, you get on good horses. It's kind of a, it's, it's weird compared to the professional jockeys who, if they have like a 5% win rate, that's not bad, if they have a 10% win rate, well, they're one of the greatest jockeys of all time, you know. Um, whereas the amateurs, because there's so few, you kind of need to be getting winners or, or placing quite a bit. Yeah, sure, um, there's only one, one race for amateurs, um, the bumper at the end of the day on the race courses. So, you know, um, if you don't, if you're not getting good rides, you can really go a long period of time without getting a winner because it's just one race a day. And is part of is that part of the reason why you want to ride out for different trainers as well, so that you get to know them and you can get to yeah. kind of have those chats and kind of just be front of mind when they're making decisions about who is going to get a ride. Yeah, I I think it's I think it's good to spread myself around anyway you know, to get into a couple of different yards because um, you just have, when you're showing your faces in them places, they're going to think you when they need a jockey. So that's, uh, that's what I'm doing at the moment, just getting into a few different places. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, hard old, it's a hard old existence. It's difficult, isn't it, David? It is, yeah. I was actually, the day you rode the winner for Dermot Well at Galway, I was actually working for the Racing Post that day. And he actually said after the race, you'd, I think you'd only had one winner, hadn't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he actually said after the race, like, we were sussing the best jockey available and all the reports I got were that, that Finney at the moment was the best available. And I'm sure you read the quotes after the race. For a jockey to hear that on your, you know, when you've only ridden one winner, it must be a huge confidence booster. When Dermot Well, like, yeah. like he's a master. Like. Yeah, it was great. And dad rode winners for Dermot. I think he won a Galway plate for him. Um, you know, so it was unbelievable like, to get the call to ride the, the horse. Um, Whitey O'Gawan was his name for Dermot in Galway that year. That's the picture of him there. You can just see, I presume, Whitey named for his face. Uh, that's Neptune. Is it okay? That's, uh, that was only, that was at Christmas now, at Leperstown. That was unlucky, Jar. <laughs> that was a big white face <laughs> and the horse was called Whitey. That was unlucky. Um, so yeah, but uh, to get that ride in Galway was, was unbelievable. Um, and it kind of- You're 16 at that stage still. Yeah. That's four, mad, yeah, isn't it? Four years ago, so kind of went by in a blur, but the horse won, thank God, and I've had a nice association with Mr. Wells since, so. So, that's, so. Tell us about Neptune then at Leopardstown, will you? Yeah, um, I've ridden him a few times. I rode him first in Mountain Galway. And Take that pick back up. He's, um, he's by Galileo, which is a bit unusual for a bumper horse. Right. He's got really good pedigree. 
yeah, I enjoyed that one. But um, so he's by Galileo and he's a Colt and he wears blinkers, so it's not your usual bumper combination, but it was uh, effective that day anyway. And he won well, it was two and a half miles, he stays really well. So it was great. I was just saying to Finney beforehand, I think you've only had 23 rides at Leprosound. For an amateur jockey, 23 rides. He's had six winners out of them. That's right, it's ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, I think if you had a, a tenner on each of them, you'd be nearly 400 quid in profit. Like So for a track like Leprosound, where the bumpers are very competitive, that's a ridiculously good strike rate. Can you just explain to us why it's unusual for a Colt uh, having blinkers in a bumper at Leopardstown. What's unusual about that? A Galileo well, Colt? Cause well, he's by Galileo is obviously the, the best sire there is. Like, and, and obviously he's, he's had his quirks and, and to even end up in a bumper was probably not the, the ideal scenario at the start. You know, they probably had, had, had grand plans for a horse like that. So it, it was a little, it's obviously a little bit disappointing that, that, he's, that he's running in bumpers for starters. As in the, this should be a flat horse. A derby horse or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, and then the fact that he wears blinkers, like he'd been second a good few times, hadn't he, before he won at Leperstown. So he's obviously not the easiest ride in the world. And, yeah. and even at, at Leperstown, a horse that runs this weekend called All for Joy, got first run, yeah, and he had a good bit of ground to make up in the home straight. Yeah. And, and he just, now he's been beaten since, but he just took off. And I'd say he's the type of horse, when you do catch him on a going day, mm. and when his mind is on the game, like when, it, when his game is on, he's a pretty good horse. It's just, he's a little bit just hard to predict. Yeah. To be fair to him, he ran very well first time out in Galway, finished third and he was very lazy with me and Down Patrick after that. And I think What does that, that feel like? When you say he's very lazy, what do you mean? Uh, just the second we jumped off, he was off the bridle, he just wasn't, wasn't helping me. I was really scrubbing him along all the way, he still finished second. And then he, I think he ran a nav and then, and we went really steady which didn't suit him. And it all just, uh, it all came together in Leprostown at Christmas. So he needs a quite quite a fast pace and needs to be interested. Yeah, he's, he's just he's just a, he's a galloper. So yeah, and the extra half mile Leperstone suited him as well. And what are you saying in his ear when he's being lazy? Just clicking him along and slapping and shoving. But um, yeah, no. To be fair to him, he he's I know he wears blinkers, but he is quite genuine. He really does try. Yeah. And uh, you saw that, like in Leperstone, he was really only getting going at the end of two and a half miles. So. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the sense, David, that this is kind of a new thing where these bumpers, the horses could end up literally anywhere in the world after performances like this. Um, yeah, like um, Dr. Lam owns Neptune, so he'd obviously have a have a rich history in, in owning really good horses. Um, <clears throat> these, you, you never know, especially in bumpers at this time of year, you never really know what you're, what you're going to bump into, which is very strange for an amateur jockey. Like, like Finney is riding this weekend, the first time out horse for Liz Doyle. And that horse could be working at home, and it could be very, very nice. Finney will tell you more about it now, but like, you just have no idea what you're bumping into because the horse you've ran against, a lot of them have never ran. Maybe some of them have ran once and needed to run, and it's a first race course experience, like first day at school. Yeah. You don't know how much they're going to improve, whereas the grade at races, you always know horses are rated. Um, you know what they've done in the past. You've maybe got five, six, 10, 20 form lines to go on. So just in bumpers, it's a, for, for punters, it's a guessing game. And I'm sure for amateur jockeys, when, when they're going out trying to decide what way they're going to ride the horse, they don't really know what's going to make the running. They don't know what's going to sit last. So I, that's why I, I, I admire amateurs so much in that they have to think on their feet during a race. And sometimes it's not easy. And a lot of these fellas are very, very young, like Finney is still in the early stage of his career. So um, yeah, I, I, I really do admire amateurs for what they're doing. Yeah, I, I guess my question really was like, as you know, Am I right in saying that it used to be if you had a horse that was eventually going to be um, 
a hurdler or uh, was eventually going to be over fences that you would your first season along you'd nurse them along through the bumpers and then afterwards you graduate depending on and you'd get a sense of what distance they could run now you might end up running against horses that will just be flat horses for the rest of their career in those, some of these bumpers yeah, well does that not happen uh, not really no like um you wouldn't have it'd be very seldom a horse would run in a bumper that would end up running in a, in a flat race. Do you know what I mean? It'd just be that they'd... So that, that horse, it, Neptune's gone now from the... Yeah, well, he wouldn't, be... he wouldn't go back. Like, he could be running in, in staying handicaps in years to come. Hopefully he won't, but he could be running staying handicaps on the flat. It's a kind of like, um, I suppose, when he starts off in a bumper, um, obviously just the natural pace, maybe. It's for, an acceptance for... that you haven't got a horse that's going to make yeah, it Yeah, probably, okay. yeah, exactly. Now, it might like might return as a... a there's an awful lot of horses who are bred to run on the flat that go over jumps. And then later on in their career, when they get handicapped on the flat, they could run in big flat handicaps. So it's, it's, it's a tricky one to gauge and, and you never know what you're going to get, I suppose, is the, yeah, yeah. Is the main thing. Yeah, OK, fair enough. And so, um, Finney, in, in terms of uh, a season like this and being able to kind of go full time over the last, um, since, since you finished college, has there been an improvement yourself, you find, in your own skills just kind of because you aren't studying as often as you were? Yeah, uh, fitness is definitely the main thing. Like when you're in college from Monday to Friday, not really able to ride out, you'll go to the gym and do a bit of running, but you know, your your lungs just aren't as fit as when you're riding out every morning. So definitely a lot fitter now. Um, so yeah, that that's, that is probably the only and the, you know, big, big difference. Does that so. matter in the middle of a race? Oh yeah, huge. Yeah. Like whereabouts? Like what? What is the bit that actually leaves you exhausted? Um, your legs really need to be strong and fit. Like when you're riding out every morning, you're you're using all the muscles you need for a race. So the more you ride out, the fitter you'll be. And I just found when I was sitting down in the classroom for most of the day, your your legs would start getting tired, and yeah, you just you're just not as fit, and you you don't ride as well when you're not fit. You don't feel as strong coming to yeah. the end of the races. Yeah, instead of probably focusing on the race, you're just focusing on getting a breather or you know like so it's great to to be able to ride out every morning and be fit so it's great and it's taken you out of the it, you know suddenly you're conscious of stuff as opposed to being in that unconscious state where you're supposed to actually be able to just kind of guide the horse to the direction you want it to go yeah yeah sure when you're when you're fit and healthy you just your mind's just on the race you're not thinking of anything else so i remember talking to keith donahue about this he trained with screen which would be a football team meet a senior team and he plays a bit of junior with them and he was saying when they be doing training they might be doing you know january february march you know you do your stamina training for championship later on in the year he was saying when he'd be doing the the runs he'd be miles clear of everybody else like like in a different league fitness wise and they'd be a pretty fit team they're one of the better senior teams in mead so that's the level that jockeys are at fitness wise which i think is a good comparison because that's how fit you need to be to ride horses and this is a senior football team that would have aspirations of winning the Keegan Cup in Meath and he's the fittest. Do you know, yeah. I just thought that was interesting when he told me. Like, yeah, and is it um, aerobic fitness? Is it, is it like strength? Is, is it a combination of these? Yeah, it's a combination of your strength to hold a horse that might be taking a hold with you and uh, you definitely, your lungs as well, you know, you need to, you need to remember to keep breathing. <laughs> you can't yeah. hold your breath. So it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. It's kind of hard to understand unless, until you do it, you know. Yeah. It's, it's really, you really do need to be fit. So. And so these last few months have obviously been great then where you have been able to do that and kind of ride out every day and you must be feeling much stronger. Yeah, yeah, feeling, feeling good. Just 
just need to get the, the good rides, the good horses. Yeah, but they're coming thick and fast at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, we really uh, had a great Christmas and had a lovely winter at Leprostown last weekend as well. So, But um, until that, it was kind of slow start. Like I'd only, from the start of the season, I have seven winners now, but four of them are just in the last couple of weeks. So Yeah, okay, so, so. she's a, that Santa Rossa that he won on, it was actually the last race of the Dublin Racing Festival. She's a proper horse. I'd say she's very good. Yeah, she could be anything, I'd say. To when, win a grade two like that, she's, she must be very good. When do you know you're getting on a horse like Santa Rosa? What, how does it, what's the, that process like for you at the moment? Um, well, that, I was just lucky to pick up a uh, spare ride on her now. I don't, uh, Dermot McLaughlin is the trainer. I've never ridden for him before. And the ride became available. I think Mark O'Hare won on her first time out in Fairy House. He picked another one in the race, didn't he? He rode Gavin Cromwell's yeah. mare, who finished third. But um, just, just fortunate for me, Dermot rang me. Asked me was available, and I said, yeah, and it was great. During the week, like it's that? Yeah, just, just a few yeah. days beforehand, yeah. And so when that happens, are you looking again at, at videos to kind of see how that horse has run in the past? Are you ringing people to see, or is it just like, I'm going to just go and deal with what I, what I encounter as I encounter it? Uh, you definitely do a bit of homework, like, but she had only one run previous to Leperstown, so I just watched that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just pick up on little things and... I even had a quick chat with Mark O'Hare. I don't think he wanted to give too much information to me, but you know, you know, um, so it was great. She's uh, she was she's very good now. I'd say she could be, she could be a great one, Philly. You know, she'd be going to Cheltenham. You could get the ride in there in Cheltenham. Yeah, uh, sure. If they want me, that'd be great. And you're available. <laughs> that's it, definitely. Yeah. Uh, do you plan to go to Cheltenham anyway? Is that like? Uh, do you have any rides booked? No rides booked, but I'd love to go. We'll definitely be doing plenty of ringing around to try and pick up a few. Yeah, you just um, happen to be over there on the day whenever it happens in case Yeah, needed. yeah, just uh, there is a nice few amateur races there, so hopefully, hopefully uh, pick up one or two would be, be brilliant. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. Well, look, congratulations on everything so far, and um, it really seems like it's starting to work out for you. So uh, at no point do you feel like the need to go professional? Did you talk to your dad about that? Because like, obviously that was an amazing professional career that he had, and mm. you were going a slightly different route at the moment. Yeah, sure. Um, I, w I do speak to Dad about everything uh, in racing, but quite quite happy that what I'm doing at the moment is the right thing. Just yeah, like I'm still only twenty, so yeah, yeah. You know, and if you were to go professional, would that, that what weight would you need to be making at that stage? Um, well, I suppose I'd want to be kind of waking up maybe seven pounds lighter. You know, just. Just to keep that weight off might be a bit of a struggle, but not, not impossible. It, sure, it all depends on how hungry or how if much you want. If you want a bit of it. advice, Finny, you can just come my way if you want. I'll give you a bit of dietary advice. laughing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I what, suppose. What would that advice be, David? Well, I haven't really come up with the advice yet, Jared, to be honest with you. <laughs> it does seem mad, though, that there's like still so many people um, in the industry who we talk to who do the starvation stuff and who are living on the cup of coffee as opposed to going to the gym and trying to, you know, yeah, like there's definitely an opening. It seems like in the industry for somebody to go. There's a slightly better way to do this, lads. You know, the roadside sandwiches not the best. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Nutrition is a massive part of it. Like you can eat if you're eating the right foods, you could eat more of them and feel fuller. You don't have to be starving if you're eating good food. Yeah, it has improved though. Like I did a piece with uh, Adrian McGoldrick, who was the uh, Turf Club medical officer, and like he, his one of his big things was nutrition. Like, and I think. Like ten years ago, compared to now, there's no comparison. Like, mm. so I think it certainly has. I don't know if you found that, but I think it has improved. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's it's tough. It's definitely tough. Like I didn't have lunch, and I'm absolutely starving. Yeah.
<laughs> right, let's move on because there's a couple of races at the weekend that we want to talk about. Obviously, we're still, um, there'll be no racing in uh, the UK for us to talk about this weekend. So we are going to talk here. Uh, so let me just remind everybody where we are in connection to the money that we've raised for charity so far. After a fantastic Dublin Racing Festival, our Tote Irish Injured Jockeys Charity Fund has jumped to €1,829.44. So um, Johnny Ward tipped Min, who romped home on Saturday, and La Bague au Roi obliged for Debbie Russell on the Sunday. So two winners. This weekend, the action comes from Nace and Punchestown. And we have a hundred euro bet courtesy of the tote to try to add to our tally. Your bet is in the 350 at Punchestown um, on Sunday and it's Riders in the Storm. Yeah, yeah. When I heard there was a charity bet, I'm, I'm obviously only filling in for Johnny Ward. I said I have to make use of my, my big moments. So a uh, bit of effort went into this now. Uh, I, I just think Riders in the Storm, it's running a race for horses that were only rated 135 or lower over hurdles. And he was rated 132. And he always, I always thought that he would make a much better chaser. Uh, he's trained by Tom Taff, who, of course, of Kicking King fame, who won a Gold Cup. And his two runs over fences were really eye-catching. First time out, he bumped into Mengli Khan and jumped really well that day. It was just a, a first day at school experiment. And then last time, in a grade one at Limerick, he travelled as well as Get a Bird, as well as Hardline into the home straight. And then his class was just found out a little bit. But this is a big jump drop down in class and uh, Brian Cooper takes the ride and uh, I'd be bitterly disappointed if he doesn't win. Okay, what, what should he go to post? At a uh, I have a feeling he's one of these ones when betting opens up tomorrow and they'll probably be betting on it quite early because there's no race in England. I'd say he'll open up probably 7-2 to two tomorrow and I'd imagine he'll probably go off favourite maybe around 2-1 to one or okay. so. Okay, alright, so uh, best price guarantee of course on all Irish racing this weekend. Check out thetote.com. You can enjoy the tote versus SP best price guarantee, I should say, on all Irish racing this weekend. Thetote.com for more on that. There's a couple of other races. Do you like anything in that race? Uh, do you watch all the racing? Like, are you kind of sitting at home watching everything, kind of see what's happening? Or are you kind of only interested in the horses that you're connected to and in the yards that you're connected to? Yeah, I always watch racing. I don't take a, a huge interest in uh, form or betting of horses, uh, you know, that I'm not involved in. Yeah. But you know, I I just kind of mainly ride ride horses. I don't not really interested in what's going to win the race that I'm not riding in. I just yeah. watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, so also punches down. Um, you like Bally Casey in the one forty five? I do. Yeah. Um, gorgeous grey horse. I think this horse might actually win at Cheltenham. Um, he'd be running the Glen Farkless cross country race, and this is probably a pipe opener for that. But he ran in uh, in Cheltenham in December. And then there was actually footage on the, on the Racing Post website of, of Patrick Mullen schooling him. He just went over to school him over the cross-country course uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he's just a type of horse that has taken really well to it. He was a really good novice chaser. He beat Don Cossack in a grade one. And I just think Patrick is his eye on another Cheltenham Festival winner. And Bally Casey could be it. He runs in the 145. I think he'll probably win that. Okay. We also have uh, Sonoria in the 220 mm. punch. Did I pronounce mm. that right? You did, yeah. Uh, Sonoria, yeah. Uh, she was entered in the Mayor's Handicap Hurdle at Leperstown last weekend, but Henry de Bromhead took her out because the ground was just a little bit too quick. Uh, she's rated 128, so she's a bit of improvement to find, but a few shrewd, very shrewd judges really fancied her last weekend, and they were devastated when she was taken out. She was favoured for that race. She's had to wait, wait seven days, but I think, I think compensation could await. She was really good. She won at Down Royal on St. Stephen's Day by 13 lengths from a horse called Coleco Jack that's trained by Noel Mead. And they think quite a bit of that horse. So for Sonoria to beat him, 
by 13 lengths I thought was a fair performance so, so she should go close and um, where will we next then see Sonoria is that, is that race something else that we're keeping as a pointer to Chatham too or uh, this race here no the, the Sonoria race sorry yeah. uh, the Sonoria race yeah see um, I'd say she could probably if she won this uh, she could uh, she could run in the mayor's novice hurdle at Chelsea, but, but the owner of and uh, the owner and the trainer have got Honeysuckle, who's actually favour for the mayor's novice hurdle at Chelsea. So I'd imagine Punchdown and Fairy House would be the, the next sense. port of call after after this weekend. Okay, then the Grand National Trial at Punchestown. I'm just looking through the the entries for this at this stage, and uh, Don Poli, Moonbeg Notorious, Dunicos, Some Neck. You can't call her that. General Principle, like loads of names that people will recognise from mm. the last number of years. This is a good out race. Yeah. A lot of familiar faces, plenty of household names in here. Um, the like Solomon Grundy is probably the most likely winner. Um, he was well fancied for the Paddy Power at Leprosown and didn't show up. But I'm going to take a flyer on one at a huge price. Now this will be a huge price. It's a horse called Wishmore, trained by Joseph O'Brien, ridden by Andrew Ring. Now this horse has jumped deplorably on its last couple of starts. Like it was, it was desperate stuff altogether. He absolutely. Um, made a mess of about two or three fences at Navin and he ran over hurdles last time hopefully to get his confidence back. I always thought there was a big handicap chase in him. He used to be trained by Mouse Morris and he's down to a mark of 130 now over fences and, and I, I just think someday he's just going to pop up at a huge price and win a big handicap and I'm just hoping this will be the day. Andrew Ring who rides him actually almost won the Kerry National last year for Joseph on Arcrist. He was just beaten on the line. And uh, he's actually quite good, lightweight jockey in these day and chases. This could be 33 to 1 now, but I think he could run well, wish more. We like those uh, big odds punts. It's okay, Johnny Ward is back next week, so I won't have to defend myself. No, that's cool. Uh, Wishmore, um, that's the Grand National Trial at 420 at Punchestown. Um, have you got anything booked this weekend? Yeah, two rides this weekend. Uh, one for Liz Doyle tomorrow in Nace. Baron de Mott, he's a nice horse. And another nice ride for Jessica Harrington on Sunday. Um, a mare who's won a point a point, so definitely two two chances now. Looking forward to them. And so, when you're going into those races, how much do you need to know about the opposition? Like, you know, it's great to do work on your own horse, obviously, but do you try and see how everybody else travels, or do you leave that kind of up to the trainer? So the trainer knows what the quality of the field is and gives you some instructions. Okay, ride this near the front, or how do, what what's that whole relationship like? Uh, you definitely look at the race yourself and see what's fancied. You know, what's ran before. Is there any pace? You have all that in your head and then you talk to your trainer and then you'd usually do what they say. But you always have you some sort of... usually do what they say. Yeah, I like a, that. There's a you <laughs> improvisation. You have a bit of a plan in your head, but... Um, is that a discussion? Like, is that a, look, I've looked at this, this is what I think, am I right or wrong? Or is it like, listen, this is what we're doing? Depends, depends who you're riding for. Some people would be very vague with their instructions and would just leave it up to you, Yeah, you know, which is grand, but other people then would have a stronger opinion how the horse should be ridden so uh, how in the middle of a race do you decide what you're going to do like what how much consciousness is there of okay look I'm we're traveling really well everything else isn't I'm going to go now or I'm going to stay now how does that work yeah sure like you have your plan beforehand but once you jump off in a race you know you're kind of going on your instincts like something might not go right at the start you might miss the kick you might be further back than you wanted to be and you just have to improvise like you know just I suppose the main thing is not to panic when plan A isn't working and you can use, you know, go to plan B or C. <laughs> How much can you see? That's the other thing I'm always interested in. Um, so you can see what's in front of you. You, you can't see much, you know, from, from your shoulders back unless you turn your head. But, um, you know, if anything's happening around, usually the jockeys will be talking to each other, give you a shout for a bit of light if you're 
if someone's coming in or out. So then if you're in the way, they're like, get out of my way. Kind yeah, of. yeah, exactly. Who's the most vocal jockey that you've ridden against? Is there anybody that kind of wouldn't be afraid to tell you you're not going there? Patrick Mullins. Really? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Very vocal. What kind of stuff? <laughs> ah, sure. Just, you know, whatever, I don't know. But he just definitely, but like not in a bad way now. Like if, if uh, down at the start, if, if, if there's a few lads you know, that are kind of messing up the start, you know, Patrick will straighten them out and, but you need, I think you need someone like that. When you, when no one's saying anything at the start or anything, it's just, it can be very messy. So one of the senior lads to keep us all in line is, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. And someday that's going to be you, one of the senior lads. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. How far away is that do you think where you kind of feel like, okay, I'm, I'm here now, I'm married, I've done this. Cause four years is a blink of an eye, but it's also, you know, you're, you're not quite seasoned just yet, but you're getting there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Like, I've only been riding four years, but, you know, it's been going well and hopefully keep riding for another, for another while. I'm enjoying it, so as long as I'm enjoying it, I'll keep doing it. Yeah, no, you're dead right. Uh, great having you with us this week, Finney. Thanks very much for uh, travelling up from Kildare. And uh, David Jennings filling in ably for uh, Johnny Ward and maybe even tipping a massive price winner for us as well. Um, Lads, enjoy the weekend. Thanks very much for uh, talking to us this Friday. Friday Night Racing is, of course, brought to you by GoRacing.ie. Check out GoRacing.ie before you make any of your uh, racing decisions or indeed if you just want to see what the race cards are for the racing here in Ireland. Loads of great information on the site that you can get there too. Thanks very much. That's Friday Night Racing. We've been live across all of our social platforms on OffTheBall.com as well. And we've been live on the radio this evening at 8 o'clock. Uh, if you've been listening there, thanks very much for being part of that too. You can always text your, your opinions on 53106. Cheers. Friday Night Racing on Off The Ball Brought to you by Go Racing Plan your day at the races at goracing.ie